Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Okay, this is a very uh, special Sunday. I always like first when you get to celebrate first. And in just a moment, you're going to get to celebrate with us our new youth pastor's first uh, introduction to you. And uh, so in just a few moments, I'm going to ask Pastor Bethany to come to the stage. But before she comes, I want to answer a question that you may or may not be asking. And the question you may or may not be asking would be this. Why Pastor Bethany? Why her? She may be sitting here wondering the same thing. Why me? Uh, I want to tell you why I feel like the Lord led her to our door this morning. Uh, five reasons. I promise to not uh, make this like a sermon and spend five minutes per point. But uh, first off, uh, I believe the Lord sent her our way because she's tested and she's trustworthy. She's bringing to us over 10 years of student ministry experience and uh, trust from her leaders. Number two, uh, in Bethany, we are receiving you will soon discover this, a tier one leader. She has been a pioneer of new ministries every place she's ever served. Uh, Number three, you'll also discover in the next uh, few weeks, she is a gifted communicator. She's been one of my favorite preachers for a long time. Number four, she is highly relational. She has the ability to make strangers become friends. Real quick, I think she's going to play that little trick on you before you leave today, if you'll give her a chance. And last but not least, she has just been one of the most refreshing voices in Megan and I's life for a long, long time. And we count it a privilege that she has become part of our team. Would you give a great assembly welcome to Pastor Bethany Strawn as she comes to the assembly family today. Welcome. And I cannot believe I got five reasons that you brought me here. I, my eyes were as big as probably yours were. And when you said, why Bethany? I leaned over to my dad and said, I'm curious as well. So thank you for giving me those top five reasons. Hi, guys. It is nice to meet all of you. I'm so excited to meet my new church family. I'm also excited to have a good chunk of my Strawn family here with me today on the third row. We take up almost an entire row. This is not even half of us, but my dad, my mom, two of my aunts, and my uncle are here with us this morning to celebrate this new era for me. So thank you for being here, guys. If I haven't got to meet you yet, hello, I'm the new girl. I'm excited to be here. Just a few things that you need to know about me. Number one, I love Jesus. And that's good news because I'll be leading your teenagers. And they need to love Jesus too. But I love Jesus. He is my everything. He is the reason why I'm standing here today. He saved me. 
He redeemed me, and I plan on spending the rest of my life telling people about the hope that I found in him. So I love Jesus. The second thing you need to know about me is I love my family. I am a family girl. I am a relationship girl, just like Pastor Greg said. I just believe in the power of family. I have two amazing rock star parents that are here with us today. They are celebrating in about two weeks 49 years of marriage. So they have been an example to me. They have been my strongest cheerleaders, my strongest encouragers, but the strongest example for me, not only in ministry, because they really showed me in so many ways how to do that, but really in just running after Jesus. And so I run after Jesus because you ran after Jesus. So thank you so much. But they're here today. I also have three amazing nephews and two crazy brothers. So boys and testosterone and football and wrestling are really all that I know. I always say if our family gets together, you'll know where we are because there's like a cloud of Axe body spray that hovers above the teenagers, you know what I mean? Um, I love my family, but I believe that family is more than blood. I believe in the connection and the community of a church family. And so I am honored to be a part of the assembly here and to call you my church family. Um, finally, and the last thing you really need to know about me is I love this next generation. I have spent my adult life loving and leading teenagers for a good chunk of years and then kids the last four years and then now teenagers again. I just couldn't stay away from you guys. You're just too cool. I believe in this generation of kids and of teenagers. I think they're poised for greatness. I believe that God has selected this generation for such a time as this. And I know that it's discouraging whenever we look at the state of our world and the state of our culture, but I am encouraged whenever I see this generation that God is raising up. I've never seen a more authentic hunger for God and for his presence than what I'm seeing now. And so I believe that the Lord is ready to pour out some things over the next generation, and I am excited to be a part of it. I'm honored to be a part of it, and it is clear that Pastor Addison and Rochelle have done an amazing job here, investing in the students, investing, discipling the students. They are worshipers, they are leaders, and I'm honored to get to follow you guys and everything that you have built here at the assembly. You've left a lasting legacy, and it's an honor to follow you. And finally, I am honored beyond measure to serve under the leadership of Pastor Greg and Megan. I have known them since way back in 06 when they came to be my youth pastors, and I just kind of stuck with them. You know, they moved away. I kind of popped up along, uh, you know, a lot of times. I'd run down and see them. They moved here, and here I am. So I really love and honor them. Um, I will say they've been key influencers in my life. And every leg of ministry, they have been there to speak wisdom 
and encouragement to me and to be really truly mentors in my life. And so when I say that I'm humbled and when I say that I'm honored to be uh, on this team, I really truly mean it. Um, So thank you so much for letting me come and thank you so much for letting me be a part of what God is doing here at the assembly. It is evident that the Lord is moving. I am excited for what is to come. I believe the best is yet to be. Thanks, church family. Um, I've asked Bethany to uh, stick around a few minutes after service. If you've not got a chance to uh, shake her hand, give her a high five or a hug, whatever your preference is, she'll be around in the foyer after service. Make sure you get a chance to meet her uh, this morning. Well, today I want to talk to you uh, dads in the room. I want to talk to fathers specifically, men specifically, but ladies, don't feel like you're left out, all right? This message can fit all sexes. It can fit singles and married, but in my vocabulary today, I'm probably going to be mentioning the terms dad and father a lot. And I want to open my message this morning with a true or false statement. I want every dad or granddad, but really moms need to answer this too. I want every parent in the room to answer this question. It's real easy because it's true or false, right? I love true or false questions. You've got a 50-50 chance of getting it right. But I believe this question really has only one right answer And the question isn't really a question. I'm just going to read you a scripture in just a moment. And when I read this scripture, I want you to ask yourself, is this scripture true or false? Not true or false is in the Bible because we know everything in the word of God is true, right? But is it true for me? Does this scripture really communicate my heart regarding my family, my kids, my perspective about my life? So here's the scripture, 3 John chapter 1. Verse number four, true or false about you. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Is this the greatest joy of your life? True or false? There's nothing in my world that gets me excited about the prospect that those who I love are loving Jesus. Is that true this morning? See, for the rest of this message to have any value at all, you are going to have to believe, like I believe, like 3 John states, that there is no greater truth, there is no greater joy, there is no greater experience than seeing your sons or your daughters or those that you love loving Jesus. But when I look around our community, our state, our nation, I'm not sure that is everyone's greatest joy. I'm not sure that even those who attend church on Sunday morning at different churches, would, can, can, can they honestly say that their greatest joy is to see their children walking in the truth? Sometimes I feel like maybe the greatest joy is to to see our kids get a certain education. Maybe our greatest joy is to see our our kids earn a certain amount of money or get into a certain 
college or, or marry someone of a certain social status or income or maybe our greatest joy is to, to earn the financial security that we think our family deserves or maybe our greatest joy is to, to buy some material possession that, that elevates our own posture. It makes us feel a certain way and there's nothing wrong with any of those things I just mentioned except for I want to come back to our opening scripture. Is the greatest joy in your life found in one of those things or is your greatest joy, is your greatest objective to find your children decades from now still walking in the truth? See, Jesus said in, in, in Mark's gospel, he said, what does it really gain if someone gets everything but they lose their soul? It, it kind of brings Father's Day into a into a real snapshot, easily consumable priority to me, is I want my kids and those that I love to love Jesus. That's my goal. That's the only reason I'm preaching today. If that's not your objective today, stick with me because I'm going to give you a free hat before you leave. But besides that, this is not going to be any good for you if that's not your goal. And this is a, this is a hard goal because how many want to be able to achieve your goals? And how many of you want to be able to decide whether you're successful at achieving your goal or not? But how many also understand passing on our faith is, is something that we can do, but we cannot make our sons and our daughters or those that we love, we can't make that decision for them. We can only do so much. So success on our part is not the fact whether our sons and daughters receive our faith, the success factor is have we positioned our faith in a way that can be received? See, if me and Eddie are, are if we go out this afternoon to a basketball court, which would be funny because I don't play basketball, but, but if he and I were going to like pass the basketball, I, would, I could probably pass it to him pretty quick. Like, I could do one of those fancy no-look passes or a bounce pass, and he's got enough skill that, that he could do that. But if I go out this afternoon and I play with my five-year-old Nora, I'm going to pass the ball a little bit different than I would to Eddie. I'm, it's probably going to be more like a lob, and it's gonna be, I'm probably going to get pretty close to her. To where, you know, to, because I, but, but how many know even, even, even close, there's no guarantee of a catch? But I can pass it in a way that gives her the most opportunity. Right. We, cannot, we cannot make a decision for our kids, but I believe we can pass our faith in a way that gives them the best opportunity. And that's what I want to talk, I want to talk about this morning. We've been walking through the book of Second uh, Peter on Sunday mornings. We're going to continue that because Peter talks about this very subject in verse 12. And here's what he says. He's talking about how to pass on his faith. He says, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you have now. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent, this body, because I know that soon I will put it aside as our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Do you, understand, do you hear Peter's concern? That after he's gone, his faith remains. 
I don't know about you, but that's my, that's my number one, that's my driving force. That's my agenda as a father. That's my agenda as your pastor, is that when I am gone, my faith remains in someone else. So he says, I make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son in whom I love, who I am well pleased. We ourselves heard the voice that came from heaven when we were with him on that sacred mountain. And we have the word of God of the prophets made even more certain. And you'll do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I pray that every father in the room, Lord, we just avail ourselves to your to the Holy Spirit to be the searchlight of our hearts. Awaken us to the truth about ourselves. Have we made the truest, truest joy of our hearts about knowing you and making you known to those that we love? Or has something else taken the priority that belongs to you? If so, help us today to change that with your power. Help me today to preach the word of God, the word of God alone. Anoint our ears, our hearts, and our minds to hear what the Holy Spirit would say to us. And we'll give you thanks for it. Everybody in the room said amen. amen. Peter acknowledges that he has limited time left on earth. We don't, know, we don't know why he thinks he has limited time. We don't know it's because of the, uh, the prophecy that Jesus sort of told him about how his life would end on the shore of the sea that day after the resurrection. We don't know if there's death threats that's working its way through the early church towards Peter. We know that some of the places he preached and the things he preached made him very un unpopular. But he says, I've, re I've received from the Lord Jesus Christ this information that my time on earth, it it's, it's going pretty quick. And I don't want to be morbid this morning. I know you came to church on Father's Day. It's a holiday. Woohoo! I know you got all these good vibes going on this morning. Look, there's me using that word I said I don't like. But you got all these good feelings going on this morning. But uh, let me just tell you, Peter is preparing us. He says, listen, you've got to live with the idea that you're not going to always be here. And he wants your faith to continue even when you're gone. All of us in this room have limited time to make a difference for the Lord, to pass on our faith. So how do we do that? I want to give you a few ways real quick. Number one, if we're going to pass on our faith, we have to live with an internal perspective. Peter says in verse number 10, he says, I want you to receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of heaven and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter is living his life saying, listen, I want you to be there in the end. I want your faith not just to carry you in this life, but to carry you to the next life. I don't know if you've ever had to plan a complicated event. Maybe there's some moms in the room. Maybe you helped plan your son or your daughter's wedding. Maybe some of you plan vacation. And, you know, when you're planning something complicated, it can be overwhelming. It can be, you can get to the point where you're like, what, what, where do I start? It's such a big event or such a big trip. How do I even get started? Well, someone told me years ago, if you're, if you're biting off a big project, the best way to start is to picture what you want the finish to be like. And then once you figure out what you want the, what the ending to be, then work backwards. So if you're going to California, 
You think about where California is, and then you work backwards. You know, your first step has got to be to go, what, through Conway. It goes, it's that way, right? You got to go that way. You start at the end to get, to figure out where should I be today. Peter, he starts by drawing a picture of the end. And what does he want at the end? At the end, he wants everyone that he loves to love Jesus and hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. He wants every person that he loves to hear or to have a welcome. The Bible says a generous welcome into eternity. And so the first way we pass on our faith is we have to, we have to decide, I want those that I love to have a generous welcome into eternity. We have to live with the end in mind. We have to remember there's only two things that we see every day that matter. The first things that will last for eternity are people. There's not a person you've seen that won't spend eternity somewhere. Every person that you've ever locked eyes with, every person you've seen on television, is going to be someone that somewhere spends someone eternity somewhere. All of us are. Second thing that will never fade is what we do for God. So we have to live our lives with the end in mind. Everything else in our lives either ends up in the county junkyard or in someone else's possession. You know, this past week, our students uh, had a fundraiser here on Friday and Saturday raising money for Speed the Light, and Pastor Addison told me this morning they raised several thousand dollars. We don't know how many, three or four thousand dollars. Give it up for our students this week. Yeah. But everything they sold, and by the way, everything they sold was because many of you came and you gave it. You gave away something that you once upon a time was, you thought was valuable enough to purchase. Something in your value system has changed, right? The pants you thought were cool two years ago weren't so cool today. Something happened. The, what, the value of, 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 of $3,000 or more items, they changed. And so you brought it and let someone else add some different value to it. I'm just telling you that, that our values, what we find value in our life, they change so often. Let's make sure that we're valuing the values that never change, right? Let's live with an eternal perspective. You know, one of the ways Ecclesiastes says to uh, keep an eternal perspective, I remember when I was youth pastor in, in South Arkansas, just about 30 minutes from where I was on staff at a church, I had an uncle who pastored a church. And so from time to time, I'd have to go to a funeral, and, and uh, usually the funeral were people associated with our church, but I noticed every funeral I went to, my uncle and his wife would be sitting there. They had zero connection to our church, zero connection that I knew of with these people, and my uncle just kept showing up at these funerals. And I wasn't preaching them all. I didn't know why he was showing up at all these funerals. So I went home, and I told my dad, I said, hey, listen, this, what's up with Uncle? He, he's like, he's cra- he, he goes to funerals like every day. Is that, what he's, is that just fun for him? What's up with that? And my dad said, you know, son, the Bible says it's better to go to a funeral than a party. I said, no, it don't. <laughs> That's just dumb. The Bible wouldn't say that. How many know the Bible says that, right? Ecclesiastes says it's better to spend your day in the house of mourning than a house of joy because it reminds us all of us are going to spend eternity somewhere. All of us are living life that's pointing people somewhere. Number two, 
You have to repeat. How do I pass on my faith? Number two, you have to repeat what you want remembered. Peter says, I think it's, I think it's right for me. I think it's a good thing for me to do is to tell you what I've told you before again and again and again. Peter says, I think it's right for me to just keep telling you the same things again. Now, how many would say that I do not like to repeat myself? Wow, y'all are so much more sanctified than I am. All but about eight of you. You lifted your hands. I, if you want to see me lose all resemblance of spirituality, just eavesdrop the fifth time I tell my kids the same information I just told them over. I mean, I just, it, it is my spiritual kryptonite. I hate repeating myself. Pastor, you should be more spiritual than that. Pray for me. I need to be. I want to be. But I'm not. And here's Peter saying, I think it's right that you said what you said, but say it again. Tell your neighbor, say it again. If you want to pass on your faith, you know what you got to do? You got to say the right thing the same way, the same thing over and over and over and over again. Can I just tell you, there is great value in parents who will say the right thing over and over and over again. I remember when I was a kid, there were times when my dad would just say things like this to me. He would say, son, why didn't you just ask me? And I would say, because I already knew what you were going to say. That's why I didn't ask you. You know how I knew what he was going to say? Because he'd already said it over and over and over and over again. Sometimes, parents, you may think like, I am just a broken record. I want to tell you, when it comes to the things of God, I think you need to be a predictable resource of God's Word being spoken over and over and over again. Some, some of you parents need to ask this question. When your kids ask you the same question over and over again, ask this question over and over again. What does God's Word say about it? What does the Bible say about it? I think that needs to be the most repeated question that we as parents say to our kids. What does God's word say about it? You know what makes that such a powerful question? Number one, it reminds them that you're not being mean. You're just being biblical. Number two, it lets them know that God's word has answers for them. And number three, it lets them know that you believe that they can hear the voice of God. Which, by the way, I believe that kids can hear the voice of God. I believe that. So keep saying the word of God over and over and over again. By the way, I think there's also value in churches that will just keep committing to say the same thing over and over again when that same thing is the message of Jesus. So what am I saying to all of us this morning as dads and fathers? Don't quit sharing the truth about Jesus. Say it when they say thank you. Say it when it seems like they're ignoring you. Say it when they're cursing you. Say it when you feel like it. And say it when you don't feel like it. Keep repeating the word of God over your family, over your loved ones, because it's the word of God that brings eternal value and eternal change in our hearts. Don't be afraid of being a broken record. Maybe every dad in the room today needs to make a spiritual commitment to be a broken record. As long as the record is God's word. Number three, how do I pass on my faith? Number three, focus on the fundamentals. 
He says, I'm going to make every effort to see after my departure here that you'll be able to remember these things. Not everything. You don't have to remember everything about God's Word. Sometimes we feel like, well, if I want to be more spiritual, then I need to know every detail of every Scripture and all of God's Word and every Scripture, every word of God's Word has value. It's all God-inspired, God-breathed. It's all very important. But can I tell you that, that we're not going to pass on our faith by what we know. We're going to pass on our faith by what we live by how we walk out what we know. Legendary base, uh, basketball coach John Wooden was once asked a question. He said, if you were taking over a new basketball team today, what would be the first thing you would coach them on how to do in order to be successful? And he said, the first thing I would teach any new basketball team that I was going to coach to do, the first thing I would teach them is how to properly put on your socks and shoes. And then John Wooten has a, I had it in my notes, but I deleted it because I knew you didn't want to hear it. He has a paragraph this long on how to properly put on your socks. How many believe you need a, you need a guide on how to put on your socks? I never thought I did, but apparently I did. <laughs> apparently others do. But this guy has taken basketball teams from, from being zeros to heroes over and over again. And it all starts with the fundamentals. It all starts with the basics. Well, pastor, what's the basics? How about these? We're all sinners in need of a Savior. Right? All of us, all of us have need of Jesus. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none of us righteous, not one of us. Here's another basic thing we all need to remember. Jesus is the only redeemer of our sins. Salvation is found in nowhere else except for the name of Jesus, according to Acts chapter 4. How about this? God's word is the final authority for living. That's why I think we need to get really good at asking that same question over, over and over again. What does God's word say? Because what I think doesn't matter. What does the word say? Number four, here's another basic tenet. Jesus is alive and coming again right? Those are pretty basic. You know what's getting attacked in our culture today? Those four things. Can't, it, it's, it's, do you really have to trust God's Word? Can't I just take this part and that part and make it more like a buffet and just take the parts I like and leave out the parts I don't like? Can't I just, can't, can't, you know, is Jesus really alive? I mean, isn't this more of just a, a fable? Keep laying the foundation of faith. Number four, how do I pass on my faith? Number four, possess a sense of urgency. Urgency about passing on your faith. Peter says, I think it's right for me to refresh your memory. As long as I'm alive in this body. Peter knows his life has an expiration date. He doesn't know when it is, but he knows it's coming. Can I tell you, all of us in this building, we all have an expiration date. I know the last few weeks there's been a lot of, um, a lot of excitement over the NBA playoffs. I didn't get to watch any of it, but when, when basketball season is in, especially college sports, I like to watch college basketball. And there's, there's really only two numbers I like to watch. 
I mean, there's, there's a lot of numbers in basketball. There's free throw percentage points and foul numbers and all this, you know, how many errors you made and how many assists you had. And the, the only two numbers I'm really considered is, number one, the score, and number two, the time. Because the score doesn't mean much when you've got 20 minutes left. It means a lot when you've got 20 seconds left. Sometimes I wish our life had a scoreboard that we could check. Sometimes, do you ever feel like you're losing at life? Do you ever feel like you're winning at life? Sometimes, in retrospect, if I could play the life of Greg in reverse, there were times when I was winning, I thought, when I was actually losing, and there's times where I felt like I am just stinking the place up when I was actually kind of winning. So you can't really go by your feelings whether you feel like you're winning or losing. I think the thing you need to do is go by, are you being faithful? And I also wish we could not just see the score. I also wish we could see the time. So I would know. Do I have 10 minutes, 10 years, 6 decades? We don't know. At this time last Sunday morning, I was pretty sure I had 10 seconds left. <laughs> so, so what do we do? Well, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, he said, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Jesus said in John chapter 9, as long as it is day, we must work because the night is coming when no man can work we got to have a sense of urgency when it comes to passing our faith. Well, Pastor, why does urgency matter? Because without urgency, hard times, persecution, sacrifice, all seems like options to avoid rather than necessary sacrifices to embrace to pass on our faith. See, urgency is what pushes us to have the conversation. Last Sunday night, I'll, I'll just tell you, I am a baby when it comes to being sick. I just don't do sick good. Maybe some of y'all do. Megan will tell you, I don't do sick good. And so last, like last Sunday night, I was sitting in my bed, and, or laying in my bed, I, I I thought I was about to die. And I really had this thought, can Megan find my life insurance if I die? Should I roll out of bed and crawl to where it's kept and just embrace it? In case this is my last night on earth, she will know, you know, where to find our $2 to live without me. Like, I just, I had this urgency pushing me to, to, to have a conversation that, I'm not sure we had yet. Did I tell her where it was? Did I, I don't know. I'm just telling you, urgency pushes us to do things we normally wouldn't do. Urgency pushes us to have conversations we normally wouldn't have. Urgency is what pushes us out of our comfort zones to make a difference. Urgency is what drives us to do more than we've done before. Without a sense of urgency, passing on our faith sounds like a good idea that never gets done. But when we have a true sense of urgency, we, we, we move beyond, you know what, sharing my faith is not just a good idea. 
it's, it's something I got to do. Number five, how do I pass on my faith? I have to continually elevate the value of Scripture in my own life. Look at verse number 16. For we did not follow cleverly invented stories about the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says, and, and please hear me on this last point, Peter says the gospel of Jesus is more than just tradition or fables. I believe it's important that we understand as fathers and as dads, we pass on different things to our children. We pass on traditions, right? Many of, all of us in the room, we pass on traditions. Some of us, our traditions are interwoven with our faith, which makes it kind of confusing because they're so, so closely aligned. Traditions could be like, you know, we go to church on Sunday for Easter and for Mother's Day and for Christmas. Tradition could be that, you know, we belong to a certain denomination or no denomination. It's sort of our tradition. Tradition could be that we serve the poor on Thanksgiving. Tradition in my family, I'm not sure where it came from. Some of you share this tradition. We eat black-eyed peas on New Year's. Any black-eyed pea eaters on New Year's? Do you know why we do that? I don't. My mother told me it was because you get a penny for every pea you eat in the upcoming year. I should have ate more peas, I guess. We, we all have traditions. But, but Peter says, this is not, I'm not talking about passing on my tradition. I'm talking about passing on my faith. See, faith is not about our past. Faith is, is about our connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. He may be in our past, but it's more about a right now, present tense, future-driven relationship. It's the driving force of my life. Faith is what connects our past, our present, and our future all and puts it all in the hands of Jesus. And we got to make sure we don't just... Here's what I'm bringing it up. We have to make sure, dads, moms too, that we are not passing on our traditions as faith and our faith as a tradition. You understand what I'm putting down this morning? Peter says the Word of God elevates more than that. We have to elevate our view of Scripture. Megan, if you want to come, I will tell you why this is so important. It's important because Scripture is our source to connecting the true teaching of Jesus to our life today. If we compromise Scripture or we skew the teaching of Jesus that brings life and hope, we're separating ourselves from the life and hope that Jesus brings. I heard someone say this past week, if you compromise the Word of God, realize the moment you compromise the Word of God, it is no longer the Word of God. Right? We have to elevate our view of Scripture because the Bible is our foundation of faith. Without Scripture, there's no certainty of salvation. There's no moral absolutes. There's no message to proclaim, no expectancy of God's intervention in our life. If we don't elevate Scripture in our life, then we are just living a life that, 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 that is going to be 
always answer with this adage. Well, it depends. It's not based on God's Word. The Bible is our source of absolute and objective truth based on His authority. The Bible, has got to be elevated because it is our source of strength to withstand the difficulties of this life. The psalmist said like this, I've hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word is what elevated, gave him strength. How can a young man cleanse his way, cleanse his way Psalms 119 says, by taking heed to the word. Here's my last thing about why we've got to elevate Scripture in our life. Because the Bible will either be elevated are extinguished through our life. We are either elevating the value of God's Word or we are extinguishing the value of God's Word, how we live it out every single day. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. In just a minute, I'm going to invite every dad in the room, granddad in the room, to come forward. We're going to pray for you and Put a gift in your hands. Just say thanks for celebrating Father's Day with us. And pray that you'll be a man that will pass on your faith. But before I do that, I want to ask you, have you committed your life to Jesus? Man, woman, child, all of us at some point have to come down to the basics and answer the question, am I living my life for Jesus, yes or no? And if you're not living your life for Jesus, I would just beg of you to not waste another day on the fence, but decide today that I'm going to serve Jesus. And as much as resides in me, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Today, say, Pastor, I'm not right with Jesus. I've not been serving Him. Maybe you once had a relationship with Him that's just been dormant for decades or years, and Today, you know you need to get things right with Jesus. I would love just to include you in a prayer in a moment. Let's just lift up a hand real quick. Let's me, Pastor, pray for me. I need to get things right with God. I know, my, I know I'm not serving Him today, but I want to start. I need to start. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you today for every person in the room. Lord, I thank you that you're speaking to us today. You're challenging us. Those of us that are far from God, you're drawing us near to you by your Holy Spirit. I pray today each of us will take that step forward in our relationship with you. I'm thankful the Word says that if we will confess our sins, that you are faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from everything that's not right. So I pray for those today who acknowledge that they're far from you. Lord, I pray today they will confess you as their Lord, confess you as their Savior, and decide from this day forward they're going to follow you. I pray they'll make that decision theirs today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to ask every dad in the room, would you stand today and would you just come and stand as close to the front as possible? In just a minute, I want to pray for you and I want to ask the rest of us in the room to be able to pray for you. we got several dads coming from the balcony. Thank you guys for coming. Y'all are worth the wait. Don't worry about it. Come on down.
Now, I've been preaching to dads this morning, and I want to say this out loud, and I'm not just blowing smoke this morning. I really mean this. We have some of the greatest dads I've ever met around the front of this building. I am constantly taking notes on a lot of you guys. I'm taking notes on some of you guys that are younger than me. I'm taking notes on some of you guys that are older than me. I'm not taking notes on what not to do. I know that's what you're thinking. No, I'm, you guys, there are some awesome, awesome dads in the room. So I want you to understand I'm not preaching this this morning out of the heart that thinks we're not doing what we need to be doing. Preaching this this morning out of a heart that says, let's pass on what God has given to us. Amen. Let's pass on what God has given to us. And we can't force our children or those that we love, we can't force them to follow Jesus. But I do believe we can make the gospel accessible and attractive with the life that we live. So would you pray a prayer with me across this room this morning, men? Would you just make it your own prayer? Father, help my life make the gospel accessible and attractive to those that I love because there truly is for me no greater joy than to find my children. That's my goal, Lord, is that I will find my children walking in the truth, not just this week, but decades from now. Man, will you make that your prayer? Congregation, would you stretch your hands towards these men as they're making that their prayer this morning? Father, I just pray over every one of these dads across the front of this room. God, I pray that today you will just right now in this moment elevate the priority, clarify the win for us that our win is to pass on our faith. We're thankful for all the other priorities and desires and the hopes and the aspirations we have for our kids. But Lord, the leading aspiration of our life is that they would know Jesus and they would make him known, that they would be Jesus' followers all the days of their life. God, help us to live life in a way that makes the gospel, Lord, accessible and attractive what we say, how we live, what we teach, what we repeat, the life we live every single day. God, we are not perfect dads. We're men prone to failure. But Lord, help us, forgive us, and even let our, even let our downfalls be an example of how to get up and keep following Jesus. I pray you bless these men this morning. God, I pray you will bless them. I pray you will keep them. I pray you will cause your face to shine upon them. Give them peace. Give them joy. Give them strength. Create a lasting legacy of salvation and knowing Jesus through their lives. And we'll give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give the Lord thanks for all these great men across the room today? We love you, Jesus. Guys, back by popular demand on the, on the steps are some uh, baseball hats. Take your pick, picky up one. Men, don't forget, man up tonight, 6.30. Church, God bless you. Have a happy Father's Day. If you're a first-time guest, I'll be on the front porch in about two minutes. I'd love to greet you and meet you. Have a great Father's Day. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you're ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. 
Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.